You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Coffee. 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 There we go. Coffee gets me out of bed. That's right. All the parents in unison say, my children, either screaming or physically shaking me. Mom, Dad, get out of bed. Now, seriously, though, it's a, it's a, I don't know if you've ever really stopped to think about that question before, but what actually gets you out of bed each and every morning? What pushes you to, to invest in life, to strive in life? What internal messages, deep down, maybe you're not even consciously aware of the messages, but what does your inner voice, how is that guiding you? What is it guiding you to focus your energies in? You know, all of us, we're all driven by something, aren't we? Every single one of us, whether we're a person of faith and we love and follow Jesus or we're someone seeking spiritual truth, we are all driven by something. For some of us, we're driven by things like accumulating wealth, having money, or our jobs, or kids, or hobbies, comfort, happiness. The list could go on and on and on and on and on. And I'm sure even as I've just sort of thrown out a few of those examples, maybe one of them has even kind of clicked for you and you go, oh, that is one thing that actually drives me. Now, all of these things, even, even the good things of life can easily become idols for us, things we worship and things that we look to for ultimate fulfilment, meaning and purpose. And in our new series, we're going to called Idols of the Heart, we're going to explore some of these common idols that all of us are prone to worship, often without even realising that we are. Let me make that abundantly clear. Often, even though we don't realise that we actually are. We'll reflect on the reality that while these common idols promise to satisfy us and bring us peace and contentment, they ultimately fail to deliver. They never truly satisfy our hearts and they leave us wanting, craving more. We'll be reminded that there's only one idol worth pursuing and he is no idol at all. He's a person called Jesus Christ. And as we'll go on this journey together, we'll discover afresh or perhaps discover for the very first time if we're seeking spiritual truth today that only in Jesus is there ever true fulfilment and peace to be found. So that's a very quick intro to what we're going to do. So how about we pray and invite God to really minister to our hearts, Holy Spirit, to, to bring revelation, but not only like, oh yeah, I can see that or I can see that in in my neighbour or in my, my cousin's uncle's brother's friend. But I see that in me. I see that there's something there that maybe isn't as pure or as good as it could be. And I want to grow. I want, to, I want more from life. I want to be free to, to live life to the full and do that hard work over these next few weeks. How's that sound? Let's pray. Loving Jesus, we thank you that we are safe in you to dig deep into our hearts, Lord. It's not a scary thing to get real with ourselves. 
It might initially be a bit scary as we realise some of the motivations and some of the things that we are actually chasing after and driven to either attain or, um, you know, have in life or, or do or whatever it is, God. But, Lord, we thank you that in you we are safe to do this kind of work because ultimately you are wanting to see our hearts constantly transformed, renewed, pointed to you, and that anything else that would be taking up any of that energy of our hearts would be able to just get in its rightful place with you very much on the throne, guiding us, leading us, shaping us, making us more like you. So God, through this series, Lord, we pray that you would do a work in each of our hearts where we are unaware, we would be made aware through your revelation, Holy Spirit. And not only would we be made aware, but we would join with you in doing that heart work, doing the heart checkup, so that we can truly be free and come alive as you desire for each and every one of us too. Fulfillment is found in no other thing other than in you, Jesus. Remind us of that. Bring that home time and time again and speak to each of our hearts individually this morning and over the course of this series, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're anything like me and you hear that word idol, perhaps something like this comes to mind. You think of like, you know, you go into your favourite takeaway restaurant perhaps and what do you see up there next to the the counter where you're paying your money? You might see a little shrine, a little happy cat or or something like that And, and, and that's kind of what we think of as idols, don't we? Little golden things or intricately crafted things from other Eastern world religions that are very much popular, especially this one, um, in many, many people's homes today. Not a good thing if you look into deeper about the spiritual nature of those things, but that's not for today. You know, you, you might even think about the Israelites. You hear idol and you think, oh yeah, God's people. They're always, always worshipping idols. You might think about Moses Aaron, and how they just happened to collect all this gold, and then all of a sudden, bang, there's an idol. It's just amazing. How did that happen? We never, you can read about that um, in scripture. But, you know, these are the things that we typically think of when it comes to idols. But here's the thing the definition of an idol is much, much broader than this. If you want to read a really good book, and I mean a really good book, around this topic, I encourage you to get yourself a copy of Tim Keller's book called Counterfeit Gods. It is brilliant. And this would really help you to to do that that heart work, to to work out where, where you're going well and maybe where there might be some things that might be stealing your heart's attention away from what's truly important. So... Much of what we're we're exploring in this series is kind of taken, the ideas from this book, and this is how Tim Keller defines an idol. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. A counterfeit God or idol is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. Now, maybe like when I first heard this quote, I kind of balked at it a bit and like, oh, come on, as if, as if there could possibly be anything in my life that 
is more important to me than God. As if. Like, seriously? I don't look to God for, for anything else, to like worship. Nothing has my devotion more than God. And, you know, if you're sitting here today or online and, and that's what you're saying as well, I, I hear you. And as I've kind of done this work a little bit in my own life, digging deeper and invited Holy Spirit to really minister to me and show me where maybe my heart is divided, I've actually discovered motivations and, and drivers that actually are idols. So if that's true for me, perhaps this might be true for you as well. And after all, as, the, as Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 9, he said, our hearts are deceitful above all things. And what? Desperately sick. Desperately sick. So, all of us, every single one of us, are prone to worship things, even the very best of things. Because sometimes when we think of idol, we have a negative connotation, don't we? We think of an Eastern world religion and we go, well, that's not going to go well for you. That's an idol. Or the golden calf, did that go well for the Israelites? No, it certainly did not. But an idol is something, you know, even it can be a good thing that we worship before and above God, deep, deep down, down in, down in the deepest recesses of our hearts, motivating our core motivations, desires. And so while we mightn't necessarily recognise them to be bad, well, they might appear to anyone else to be bad. They might actually appear to be beautiful, valiant things to be giving our lives to. We, only we can tell ourselves, but they can often be compromised and sinful. As the reformer John Calvin says, the human heart is a factory of idols. Every one of us from his mother's womb, is expert in inventing idols. Now, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans 1, to 23, he, he reflects on our, our common experience as human beings, and he calls it for what it is. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And obviously, he's talking about God's people. They did this. They, they exchanged the glory of God for created things and, and bowed down and worshipped them. And, you know, we again, we go, oh, yeah, of course, as if doing that would be smart. Like, we'd never do that. That's foolish. And yet, I want to suggest that we still go ahead and worship many other things every single day in a range of different ways. Naturally, this looks different for different people, but every single one of us are prone to giving glory or worshipping idols. As Tim Keller explains, anything in life can serve as an idol, a God alternative, a counterfeit God. Just think about it like this. If we were to completely take Christianity out of it for just a moment, we could say that an idol is anything that drives our lives. We see this in our Western society, don't we? We've seen it many, many over the last decades, increasingly from the, the 50s, the kind of golden age of Christianity where, where people were very much more others-focused, community-minded, genuinely willing to make sacrifices for the good of others. Until now, we're, what are we seeing? We're increasingly seeing in our postmodern world 
increased individualism, the kind of, we're seeing not genuine service, but more altruism, like I'll do good and I'll do good if it's good for me, not a genuine selflessness like we saw back in the 50s and 60s and, you know, rates of volunteerism and all that are, are dropping and, and we can, you only have to look back to see what's going on. We are in a very interesting stage. But we see this in our Western society with, with all the outward kind of idols that people are earnestly pursuing, driven to get or experience. Things like money, sex, beauty, family, happiness. Many people, us included if we're honest, we're actually driven in life to get or achieve these things. We look to these things as means through which we'll find significance, freedom, purpose, or even our very identity. But idols can also be inner realities, powerful thoughts, powerful feelings we value that may or may not even be known by anyone else but us and God, or maybe might even not be recognised by us. We might be driven by deep, powerful thoughts and feelings to value certain things above and beyond anything else. Things like comfort, experiencing comfort in life, power, status, or respect. So, okay, we're, we're all prone to worshipping idols, but why do we have idols other than God? If you're familiar with scripture, you might know that, that John, in, in 1 John 5.21, he urges anyone who wants to follow Jesus to keep themselves from idols. It's up there on the screen for you. But why don't we keep ourselves from them? Why do we have many idols before God? Well, a writer, um, Damon Allison, he explains why perfectly. He says, idols give us security a sense of fulfilment and purpose. We put our hope and our faith in them because they fulfil our dreams and desires. You know, one of the most important things, one of the most important truths that we could ever sit with God and reflect on, we do well to do this, I encourage you to do this this week, is think about this. The very best things in life will always be ruined if they become idols. The very best things in life will always become ruined if they become ultimate things for us. And this is what Keller says in his book. He says, Idols are not usually bad things, but good things turned into ultimate things. Things that constitute our most fundamental significance and security, and so function as gods in our lives. Let's, um, let's take a look at a common good thing that we often turn into an idol, the desire for, for power. Yeah? Desire for power. Now, you might have, even in choosing this, I know some of you might be thinking, hmm, are you sure power is a good thing? But it's not necessarily a bad thing to desire power. It's not necessarily a bad thing. We see a lot of bad examples out there with a certain despot causing havoc over in Ukraine. Now, that is a bad use of power, but we won't talk about that today either. Um, it's not necessarily bad to desire power. In, in Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller 
talks of power as being success, influence, or winning. It's not bad to desire to be successful in what we do. It's not bad to desire to have influence or to desire to win in life, is it? It's not a bad thing. We can, with a pure heart, take steps to experiencing success and influence, winning in our particular field, in our work, in our homes, as we raise young children, like that's a, that's a good thing to be successful in, in our workplaces, and as we continue to serve Jesus and, and invest our energies into our retirement years in seeing other people come to know him too. That, that, is, that is good to work towards. And we should aim high as Christians, shouldn't we? After all, as Paul says in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, in whatever we do, we are to work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So, yeah, there's an element, isn't there, that we should strive and work hard to be successful have influence and experience wins in our work, whatever it is that is in our stage of life. There's not necessarily anything wrong with desiring to to work hard and taking opportunities to, to climb the corporate ladder, so to speak, to get a desirable promotion and the handy pay rise that comes with it. That'd be pretty good right now, wouldn't it? The issue lies in... Here's where the issue lies. The issue lies in the heart we have as we pursue those things. Does that make sense? It's not bad to desire those things. The issue is, what's the state of my heart in desiring those things? What's motivating our desire for and pursuit of power? As, um, as Calvin puts it, he says, the evil in our desire typically does not lie in what we want, but that we want it too much. Isn't that brilliant? It's not in what we want, but that we want it too much. We might be working hard and and giving ourselves, investing all our energies in a job in the corporate world, doing all we can to get that promotion. It's not a bad thing. It's good to work hard for the Lord, as as we've talked about. It's good to work hard to provide for our family if we've got one, and also to invest generally in God's work all over the globe, supporting missions partners, your local church, all those things. All those things please God greatly, don't they? But here's the thing. Here's the but. If we're working hard to get the promotion to somehow look better in the eyes of other people, we've got a big problem. We've got a big problem. As Damon Allison explains, A person with a power idol wants the bigger salary not because of the money but because of the status the money can offer. You know, if if that's our challenge, we're actually seeking power that we might be praised, that we might be seen, that we might be respected in deeper ways by other people, that even we might be able to change our socials, change our social circles, that we might be able to mix and mingle with other more powerful and influential people and then climb the ladder even further. You know what I'm saying? That opportunities might arise that allow our power and our status in any given field to develop and grow. 
Now, look, maybe this is or, or has been true for you. Perhaps even as I'm saying this, you can think of people you know currently for whom this could be true. For people like this, status is number one, not God. Status is number one. They're God. They're idol. Their identity and sense of meaning and purpose and value is caught up not in ultimately what God says or thinks about them, but in what they can achieve or get and in other people viewing them as being successful winners in life. Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing, and this is so important, especially because part of this, part of my heart in this is to help us better understand the culture we're in and some of the things that many people will be interacting with and sharing the gospel with are actually worshipping, whether they recognise it or not, in order to then more effectively share the gospel with them. Because if we identify in our friends that potentially someone may have a, have a power idol, there's different ways that we could tailor how we communicate the gospel to talk to them about, you know, I understand that you want, it, you want that sense of feeling significant or, or um, making, you know, um, genuine inroads in your area of work and all that sort of stuff and coming to the point where then you can share the gospel about, hey, did you know that in Jesus... Jesus sees you already as X, Y, Z. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, this is important, especially as we seek to share the gospel with people who worship counterfeit gods. This is all well and good, having, a, having an idol of any time. It's all well and good until it isn't. It's all well and good until it isn't. Because idols often, for many, many people... They seem good for a very long period of time. They seem to deliver. They promise us fulfilment and we feel fulfilled. They promise us a sense of identity and purpose and we, and we feel like that's kind of working for us. But there will inevitably come a time where they let us down, big time. Now think about it from a, from a power perspective. If this was an idol for you, what happens when we fall into another recession? What happens when your boss calls you in and, and says, I'm sorry, I, I just can't keep you on anymore. Here's a redundancy package and you've got however long and all the best to you. It's been great working with you. What, what happens when that happens? If power is an idol to you, your very identity and value as a human being, as soon as something comes against it, is called into question. Your greatest fear becomes your reality. You are or you feel humiliated. You feel like a failure. And if, if this is your life, chances are while you, while you love the accolades of people who look at you and what you have achieved and, and see you as a success or a winner in life, you're also, your experience is also one of feeling disconnected, burdened and alone because you're kind of enslaved in this never-ending pursuit of success and influence, and you're on the kind of the hamster wheel where you just keep going and going and going and going, and you can't stop because if you stop, as soon as you stop, you're not actually serving that idol, and you're not having that sense of praise from people or, or achievement, 
And so you've got to just keep going and going and going and going. And this is a very lonely place to be. You're constantly needing to achieve more and more to maintain and then build on your status and desired image. Now, if this is your life, people around you, while they, on the one hand, kind of admire you for being successful and all that sort of thing, they likely dislike you too. This is a sad reality for for many people caught in this trap. The, The drivenness and success at all costs mentality that can creep in when when you're trying to continually achieve and and climb and whatever, you can very quickly, people can be seen not as people to come along with a journey with you, but stepping stones to lift you up on your journey. And all of a sudden, people feel used and abused. You might you might find it incredibly difficult to make and maintain friendships because the only people that you actually have the time to interact with are those who can actually help you on your path to success. And when you're in need of care or support from people, you don't have a meaningful relationship to to fall back on. And for a a power idol, for all the status you enjoy, chances are you're, you're really not in a great place emotionally. You, as you've been climbing the ladder, it's, it's tough. It's exhausting. There's never any rest from it. And so problem emotions develop, in particular anger, frustration. You might be frustrated at your lack of meaningful connections with others. You might be frustrated as, as the, uh, you, know, you, start to get, you get to an age where then you start to get overlooked in your field as young up-and-comer movers and shakers with new ideas, new ways people who, for whatever reason, just seem to easily be able to adapt to technology changes and they just start climbing the rung and before you know it, you're here and they're above you. All in all, while your pursuit and experience of of status was fulfilling and did appear to bring you freedom and fulfilment at first, you soon discover that the pursuit of meaning and identity through status isn't all it cracked up to be. You realised in a very real way that your idol doesn't actually satisfy the deepest longings, the deepest cravings and desires of your heart. And it never will, no matter how much you give yourself to pursuing it, no matter how much energy you feed into it. Is that depressing? It is depressing, absolutely. But let's be real, and I'm sharing this today because this is real for millions of people across the globe. This is real for millions of people across the globe. This is a common experience for people in a postmodern world. Today, which, which tells us, tells us essentially that we are the sum of what we can do, make, or achieve. You know, we are the sum of what we can do, make or achieve, all those things. And, and many people, many people, maybe even some of us, we, we feel stuck on this hamster wheel, pursuing power, if you like, on this endless, tiring, never fully satisfying, very fleeting, if you even get to experience, pursuit of power and influence and status. It's a sad existence for many people. And perhaps if you're listening to this today and you've, this might even be me describing your own sad existence and you're feeling sadder now than you ever were before. So you're thinking, why did I come to church today? Well, here is the good news for you. If this is your experience and for anyone 
we know who might need to hear this as well. And if you're watching online and this is resonating with you, here's the good news for you. True fulfilment, true meaning, true purpose, true identity can only ever be found in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus. As Tim Keller says, the only way to free ourselves from the destructive influence of counterfeit gods is to turn back to the true one, the living God. He's the only one who, if you find him, can truly fulfill you. And if you fail him, hear this, can truly forgive you. Friends, you know, the reality, the Bible says, Scripture says, that we were designed to do one thing, one ultimate thing in life and one ultimate thing in life alone, and that is to worship God. Worship him and God alone. As Jesus said when he shared the greatest commandment in, in Luke 10, 27, he says, life is lived best when we do this, when we love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and with all our mind. This in this place, is where life and joy and freedom are found. This is where, believe it or not, and if you're, if you're seeking today, you might be going, that sounds stupid. But it's a beautiful paradox of this life-transforming faith, is that if you actually want to find your life, Jesus says, hey, you've got to actually lose it. You've got to, if you want to find life, you, you, can, you can try and find it in what the world says about how if you just have more money, then you'll be fulfilled. Or if you just have better sex and trade your old model out for a new one, that's going to go well for you. Well, no, that's not going to go well for you. You know, all those things, you can try and find it there, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. You've got to lose that thinking in order to find life in relationship with me. This is where we find ultimate fulfillment as pleasure. As much as we think these things might be found in, other, in the things we can do, achieve, purchase, or enjoy, only in relationship with Jesus will we ever find true, lasting fulfillment. But not only that, because sometimes when we dig a bit deeper into our hearts, we realize that our hearts aren't all that pure as we thought they were. Yeah? And so the beauty of Jesus is that doesn't frighten him away. It doesn't frighten him away at all. In fact, he sees that and he simply, like we sung this morning, he just says to us, he says, hey, come and abide with me. I'll sort that out. We can do this together. You can find freedom from that. And I'm going to walk you to that path where you will be truly free. And if you've been following Jesus for a short time or a long time and, you know, today's words really hit home for you, I just want to encourage you. We've got some sheets up the back and this is an idle heart check. I encourage you to do that. Take some time this week just to go through those questions and think with Jesus, inviting him to really speak to you about what are the, some of those things that potentially are in my life that I know. Maybe for some of us, we're probably like right now, yeah, I know what one is for me. But maybe there's others of us here who are like, I actually don't. I've never thought about that. But I know that I'm not fully like Jesus yet, so perhaps this might help me in my journey by doing a heart checkup just like we go to a doctor to get a physical heart check, let's use this as the opportunity for a bit of a, a spiritual heart check to, um, yeah, give ourselves a heart checkup. So there's some diagnostic questions up there, up the back, 
and they'll help you to, to first identify and then also how to practically take steps towards dealing with them as well. And for those of you who are in connect groups, that's one thing that we'll also be doing in our connect groups this week, going a little bit deeper. And for those from home, the, there's a link to the handout on the YouTube description. Friends, we were created to worship God. That is the ultimate thing for all human beings, whether we recognize it or not. You know, for those seeking spiritual truth, this is the reality of why you were created. You were created to know God intimately. You were created to enjoy relationship with God forever. That was broken because of sin. Many years ago, Adam and Eve chose to disobey. They had hard hearts towards God. But all of Scripture is a story of redemption where God is continually calling people to come to him, trust in him, follow him. And Jesus, in dying on the cross for the sins of mankind, he paid the price in full. There's now no more separation for us if we were to choose to come to Jesus and place our faith in him. And that is the start of a life of worshipping God. And it's from that base then that all other things are put in their right place. God first, giving him the glory, and then he'll lead us in living an abundant life, a life filled with meaning and purpose and fulfilment, but life filled with him on the throne. So let's worship him this week, friends. Let's, let's refuse to, as we, as we become aware of any idols that we might be worshipping, let's refuse to worship them any longer. Let's allow God to meet the deepest desires of our hearts to find purpose and meaning and identity and hope in him. He, he alone is worthy of our praise and Jesus alone can actually truly fulfil us. Not just a little bit, not just for a moment, like other temporary idols very much do, like they do for a moment. God fulfills us now and promises to forevermore into eternity, till the very ends forever. As uh, John writes in 1 John 5:20 to 21, let's keep ourselves from idols by trusting in and turning back regularly to Jesus, the true God and eternal life. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much that life is found in you. Life is found in you. Ultimate purpose, ultimate meaning, our ultimate identity, all of those things, God, we, we're, we're told, we're, we're continually messaged from our media today that it's found in us, that we can create our identities, that we can find our true purpose, that we just need to look inside and then we'll be able to know what to do in any given situation, God. But you know, you know God, and, and we're very quickly coming to realise as a, as a society that that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. We, we, we look in ourselves and, and often we don't find many uh, useful things. We, we look in ourselves and we're like, oh, can, I've barely even got it together. How could I do X, Y, Z? But God, we thank you that in you, as we worship you, as we turn to you, as we cast aside anything else and just look to you, that you are 
everything. And that as we worship you, as we enjoy you, you will guide our hearts and shape our hearts so that they are hearts like yours, God. So that we would be men and women after God's own heart, having hearts that truly beat, hearts that are truly alive, and hearts that aren't divided, hearts that aren't sick in different ways. So God, this week, as we, as we take aside some time during this week to just sit with you, to invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister to our hearts, to guide us, to give us discernment so we can identify any idols that we might be worshipping along with you or even instead of you if we're seeking spiritual truth. We pray, God, that you would help us to turn from those idols and turn to the one true living God, Jesus Christ, and find ultimate hope, fulfilment and pleasure in relationship with you. We pray that, God, for those of us who have faith. And, God, I pray that for anyone listening to this or watching this who are seeking spiritual truth, are seeking meaning in life, surely there must be more in life than this. May they realise, Jesus, may you draw them to yourself and may they realise that life itself is found in you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. And we pray, God, that we might all experience ever-increasing freedom as we allow you to do work in our hearts. We join with you in that work and then we walk as transformed, empowered human beings in step with the Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.